Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. And you can find out more by visiting their website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples, the website, lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Dr. Kathleen Brown. She's a dermatologist in Montana. She's written an interesting piece in realclearhealth.com. It's Sanders' Deceptive Infrastructure Plan. We'll visit with uh, Michael Cannon. He is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Paul Beerns is the Executive Director of the Naples Marco Island Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. We're going to catch up on what's happening with regard to tourism on the Paradise Coast. And Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, will be joining us as well. It is October the 15th, and on this day in 1991, after a bitter confirmation hearing, the U.S. Senate voted 52 to 48 to confirm Clarence Thomas to the U.S. Supreme Court. In July 1991, Thurgood Marshall, the first African-American to sit on the Supreme Court, announced his retirement after 34 years. President George Bush nominated Clarence Thomas, a 43-year-old African-American judge, known for his conservative beliefs, to fill the seat. Thomas had been chairman of the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission during the Reagan administration, and in 1990, Bush had appointed him the U.S. Court of Appeals. As the confirmation hearings for Thomas' Supreme Court nomination got underway, he evaded controversy over his controversial and conservative views on issues such as abortion or by refusing to state a clear political position. He seemed to he- headed for an easy confirmation until Anita Hill, a former aide, stepped forward and accused him of sexual harassment. Hill, who had served as an aide to Thomas at the Department of Education and the EEOC during the 1980s, Alleged that the Supreme Court nominee had repeatedly made sexual offensive comments to her. Being on October the 11th, 1991, the Judiciary Committee held four days of televised hearings on Hill's charges. Americans were shocked by both the frankness of Hill's testimony and the unsympathetic response of all the all-male committee of whom were openly antagonistic towards Hill. Thomas, meanwhile, denied the charges, and some witnesses called on behalf of his cast doubt on Hill's character and mental stability. On October the 15th, the Senate narrowly voted to approve Thomas's confirmation. Although the hearing left the Senate and the nation very deeply divided, the episodes served to foster a greater public awareness of the problem of sexual harassment in the workplace. In taking over the seat of the liberal Thurgood Marshall, Thomas contributed significantly to the conservative character of the nation's highest court in the 90s and after the turn of the century. <clears throat> Clarence Thomas confirmed on this day in 1991. Uh, if you ask me, it just comes right out of the Democrat playbook, though. I wonder if it wasn't a setup by Anita Hill. Well, I don't know, and I'm not making the accusation, just raising the question. Well, Florida will challenge the Biden administration's vaccine mandate in federal court, Governor Ron DeSantis said Thursday, vowing that the pending requirement on businesses and hospitals will go down, quote-unquote. DeSantis spoke at a Florida Department of Health office in Fort Myers, where he was linking his promotion of monoclonal antibody treatments to the recent sharp drop in COVID-19 hospitalizations statewide. 
He noted the demand for such treatments is down considerably in recent weeks, prompting a reevaluation of sites and where they are needed. He used the example of a site nearby Immokalee, saying it was down to three or four people a day and has now been closed. President Joe Biden's mandate is yet to be released, but is expected this month. It would apply to hospitals that treat Medicare and Medicaid uh, patients and employers with 100 or more employees. Some Florida hospitals, including NCH Healthcare in Cuyahoga County, already have uh, COVID-19 vaccine requirements in anticipation of the coming federal rule. NCH is among the three Southwest Florida businesses being investigated by the Florida Department of Health for possibly violating a state law prohibiting the use of COVID-19 mandate vaccine passports or other vaccine mandates. We're going to contest that immediately, DeSantis said Thursday, and I think the mandate is going to lose in court. I also think we have a responsibility at the state level to do whatever we need to do to protect Floridians from mandates that could result in them losing their jobs. He also has been steadfast in his opposition to vaccine requirements. His administration has determined that local government may not require employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19. DeSantis barely mentioned vaccinations during the news conference other than to say that he opposes mandates. He said they're part of his plan to protect Floridians, but they don't get necessarily guarantee that people won't get sick and need hospitalization. He also uh, cited unverified figures from the monoclonal treatment centers suggesting that large percentages of people seeking those treatments have already been vaccinated. No surprise there. In Lee County, where DeSantis spoke Thursday, the treatment site is the old Bonita Springs Library, and it remains open for monoclonal antibodies. I want to keep that in mind at the old Bonita Springs Library. I think that's on Pine Street, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> well, President Joe Biden spoke briefly on Thursday in an effort to continue to urge Americans to get vaccinated, only he's now pressing the message to parents as well. He claimed that parents are anxiously awaiting the shots to be approved for children ages 5 to 11. Well, I wouldn't characterize it as anxiously awaiting. (laughs) They're probably anxiously upset about it. And the school boards and others who are working to dispel misinformation about vaccines and the COVID-inspired restrictions. After a short speech, he walked away without taking any questions. Biden spoke with pride of his plans to accelerate the path out of the pandemic. It's working, he said. We're making progress. He spoke to a number of cases and hospitalizations due to COVID, but said that despite all this, the 66 million of Americans that are still unvaccinated is unacceptably high, he said. He also pointed out that it's important progress, but it's not now, nor is the time to let up. We have a lot more to do. We're in a very critical period, he said, and he wants those 66 million people to get vaccinated. It's essential, he said. Let's be clear, vaccination requirements should not be another issue that divides us, he said. That's why we continue to battle the misinformation that's out there, and companies and communities are setting up their uh, stepping up as well to combat misinformation. He pointed to school board members, religious leaders, and doctors across the country who said are fighting misinformation and educating people about the importance of vaccines. All these efforts are going to help us continue moving the dial to eliminate the disease. <clears throat> yeah, I think he really wants to be the champion who is credited with eliminating. Uh, the virus. Unfortunately, I don't think the virus is paying much attention because a lot of people are getting very sick, even though they've been vaccinated. Uh, so, uh, but if the if the cases are going down here in Florida. That's good news. Even those who, who get vaccinated, he said, need to be protected 
protected from the disease. To this end, he touted the existing booster shots where a person who's been vaccinated but seen the efficacy of the vaccine decline can get a third dose. More boosters are being reviewed by the FDA so that all approved vaccines for the U.S. pharmaceutical companies can be available for a third dose. Those shots, too, will be paid for by the federal government and available to all, he said. It's not just seniors and vulnerable people, Biden said, who need more vaccines. Children of whom a vaccine has not yet been authorized will also be pressed to get vaccinated. To date, less than 500 children ages 0 to 18 have died with COVID as as a listed cause since the beginning of the pandemic. We need to continue to keep our schools and our students safe, he said we have not been any major outbreaks resulting in casualties or even excessive hospitalizations. 96% of school districts are fully open with children back in classroom for the uh, personal learning. Biden insisted that his plans are working, that defeating COVID is the only way to boost the economy and walked away with the podium without taking any questions. My view, he's spreading misinformation. The fact of the matter is, people should make a conscientious decision about their own body and their own health and decide whether they want to take the vaccine or not. Uh, The number of cases and the hospitalizations have increased since uh, Biden became president, not decreased. Of course, uh, many people, uh, the majority of the population has already been vaccinated. So a lot of questions that he's not raising with regard to the vaccines. He's just saying the vaccine's the answer. I say, say, the answer to what? What's the question? (laughs) President Joe Biden's crashing poll numbers appear to have no end as he fumbles with the border crisis, a 13-year high in inflation, and the threat of empty toy shelves on Christmas Eve. In a new Zogby poll just provided to Secrets, the first-year president has hit another job performance low of 36.4%. Our latest polls show President Biden with a 36% positive job performance rating. Excellent is 15% and good is... 21%, 21%, they're combined at 36%, while his negative rating is 61%, fair is 19 and poor is 42%. Can you imagine? Pollster Jonathan Zogby uh, said, Worst of all, women are abandoning the president, followed by independents, voters critical to helping lobby for his $3.5 trillion tax and spending plan and a $1.2 trillion infrastructure program. Women voters are abandoning the ship Biden needs to improve his polling numbers with women or Democratic leaders risk losing the 2022 midterm election, he said. He also said that the problem for Biden is that he appears unable to get his agenda through Congress as the economy is sinking and other critical issues such as border crisis crash in. Voters can't help but wonder why the Biden administration keeps sweeping these issues under the rug and declaring them transitory. Democrat leaders cannot even come to a consensus within their own ranks, Sogby said. Without the passage of the Build Back Better Act or a solid infrastructure bill and the potential default on the U.S. debt on the horizon, is it any surprise Biden's presidency is sinking like the Titanic? Biden's failure to reach vaccination goals and his executive vaccine mandates have also helped and not helped his cause. Well, that's for sure. Just about anything he decides he wants to do as an initiative, it fails. Uh, He doesn't make very good decisions at all. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Dr. Kathleen Brown. 
We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He's the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we we have with us Dr. Kathleen Brown. She's a dermatologist. Uh, Doctor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good to be with you. Thank you so much, Doctor. Uh, you read such an interesting column in RealClearHealth.com. It's called Sanders' Deceptive Infrastructure Plan. Raises serious concerns. Found it very interesting. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yes. Well, you know, the previous very large health care expansion by the government was called, you know, Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, and this is larger. And the previous one was heavily debated, and this one is hidden within a so-called budget bill or infrastructure plan, and it's a further massive expansion of government involvement in health care. And, you know, they met a lot of headwinds the last time they did that, and so now it's buried in a so-called budget bill. And it expands both uh, Medicare and Medicaid, which already have a lot of problems. Yeah. So that's, that's a very thumbnail sketch. Yeah, it's, that's so interesting, and it, it, it is interesting also that it's not being debated. Is this part of the $3.5 trillion package, 
or is it part of the $1.2 trillion package? <laughs> I think the 3.5. Oh, my goodness. It's confusing, isn't it? Yes, it is indeed. So uh, tell us about uh, what this can mean to consumers uh, of health care uh, if uh, Medicaid and Medicare expansion is uh, uh, carried out as it's planned in the bill. Well, there's so many, but, um, you know, the Medicare trust fund that um, it governs Medicare is already going to be insolvent in five years. And so, you know, they're going to need to raise payroll tax. and that comes from young people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they already have a mess, and then they're promising more things. And, you know, these, these things that they're promising are actually, well, for Medicare, for example, already available in the Medicare Advantage plans, whether people love those or not. I mean, a lot of people do like them, uh, the hearing, vision, dental, that they want to guarantee to all Medicare beneficiaries. People are already choosing those plans. So, you know, that's kind of already there, and yet it's, you know, 350 370 more billion dollars for that out of taxpayers. I mean, that's just one example. Um, expansion of uh, Medicaid into states that have decided not to expand Medicaid. Medicaid has a lot of problems already. A lot of times, difficult access to doctors in most states it pays poorly. A lot of times, people are not getting to choose if they want a doctor or <clears throat> you know another type of practitioner. So, I mean, again, that barely touches the surface. But yeah. uh, you know, I think the people who are going to be paying for it a lot young people, mm-hmm. oh, they're going to charge the older people more, too, especially those who uh, have saved more money. They're going to charge them a lot more. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to get the pound of flesh. <laughs> they're going to have to. And Well, and my other concern, of course, is going to be the reduction in the quality of service, uh, both yes. in terms of time and quality. Could you comment? Yes, and they've already done that over many years, <laughs> and, you know, that's why I got out of it. I had, a, you know, just a, a time based practice. I charged my time and I was very, very busy in a not affluent area. Um, and, and, you know, it's like, how do you fix this? I'd gone to Washington. It's like, okay, they're not going to fix it. But basically what happens is they make quality medicine impossible. And so little bit by little bit, people see the changes that have occurred. Um, they don't get to see a doctor conveniently. They don't get to see a doctor, a real doctor, if they want to. I mean, I'm, I'm free market. I'm all for choice. Um, so little bit by little bit and with the coding you know people can oh well you've had your five minutes you've had your ten minutes you can only have one complaint Mm -hmm. and um, you know or no exam at all and you know I think telehealth is great but you know sometimes people actually need to see someone it's just the massive distortions in the actual care and that's that's the thing that Concerns me the most, but of course, people's ability to pay for it. Yeah. People think that more government involvement is going to make it easier for people to pay for health care. Well, no, no, <laughs> it's not. That's that's an illusion. That's a mirage. Yeah, and uh, is this a uh, 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 wolf in sheep's clothing, basically leading to single-payer system? In other words, uh, just full government uh, health care? Yes, I mean, it is. It, it is. It's a well-hidden wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, you know, it just expands their their power for whatever motives that the legislators have. And the voters, it's kind of a vicious circle because the voters, you know, are told it won't cost anything, which is, you know, clearly ridiculous. It's, it's going to cost everyone, even though they think it's coming out of a giant corporation or a rich person's pocket. They're going to be paying it. Yeah. I mean, that there's that's just... Again, yeah, there's your wolf in sheep's clothing. 
I, I will say this. I, this is such a surprise to me because I had no idea that there was another quote-unquote Biden care type of plan hidden in the $3.5 trillion package. This is an actual shock to me. And uh, what percentage or what, how much money is involved in, in this uh, three, uh, $3.3 trillion? Wow. First year or over 10 years? I think, that's over, I think that's over 10. You know, this is all very confusing, and nobody's read the whole thing. Yeah. All the young legislative aides writing it or parts of it, pulling it off the shelf. But I think that's over uh, 10 years. That's just, um, yeah. Well, uh, Doctor, I, I just generally think that Americans would be shocked if they knew that this was included in that bill. I think they would be very surprised, and it should be debated. And, and you know, even there, the debate is often... Mm, not honest, <laughs> including including by much of the media, you know. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's the wrong way to put it forward, for sure. Uh, do you want to venture and uh, suggest an alternative? How should we proceed, do you think, with health care? What, what would be a good solution to have? <sighs> well, you know, people want magic. They want a big, you know, and I've been to Washington. I don't think that's going to happen. I think in spite of all the obstacles that we already have, there are people uh, developing solutions. It's very difficult because of the, you know, just all the uh, bureaucratic obstacles. But um, uh, that's it, one by one, people solving mm -hmm. problems for each other. We need to be allowed to do that, yeah. to solve problems for each other. And people are afraid to do it. Doctors are afraid to go out. And, you know, Obamacare uh, vastly decreased uh, small practice of medicine, independent practice. And so, you know, it's hard. Yeah. But there, I mean, I don't want to get into details, but there are people, and my practice was one. I was very, very busy, and I'm opening a new practice in Montana soon, but um, there are a lot of people who are innovating, and they need to be allowed to do it, and um, it's already difficult enough, and we need to uh, actually remove some of the obstacles to that, which is another another subject. Well, and, and it is, and, and my concern of also will, uh, as you're pointing out, uh, prevent innovation in medicine and healthcare and, and pharmaceuticals yes. and so forth. It's you know, uh, I'm sorry your hip hurts, here's a cane, <laughs> you know, type of a solution yeah. to our problems. Yes, I agree. I mean, this idea that you can manage innovation by by giant bureaucracy, I mean, no, they, they just, I mean, anybody who's worked under that, it makes it more difficult. Yeah. Dr. Kathleen Brown, again, dermatologist in Montana, just a very interesting column. I encourage you to visit realclearhealth.com and read the column. Sanders Deception Infrastructure Plan, very deceptive infrastructure plan, very interesting. Doctor, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, Michael Cannon. We're going to continue this discussion on health care. He's the Director of Healthcare Studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <coughs> <coughs> Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining Good destination morning, for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart so of Old Naples at Crane Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. 
Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. I had no idea that one point a lot of money is dedicated to expanding Medicaid Medicaid. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. So, Over the past uh, again, 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square so foot state-of-the-art theater and education <clears throat> center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Paul Behrens. He is the executive director of the Naples, Marco Island, Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the director of healthcare studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. So the Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. That means we're not of the left, we're not of the right. We take a consistent stand in favor of individual liberty in all areas. And uh, we've been around since 1977. Uh, and that what that means is we want you to be able to live your life as you desire, so long as you respect the equal rights of others. And when it comes to health care, which is my area, uh, that means we believe you do have rights when it comes to your health care. The most important right is the right to make your own health decisions. And when the government tries to make health care more affordable by subsidizing it or tries to improve the quality of care by regulating it, uh, not only do those steps violate your rights, but uh, it Healthcare also ends up being more expensive, and government ends up reducing the quality of care rather than having the intended effect. Indeed. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org is the website. Uh, Mike, I'd like to talk to you uh, about uh, the expansion of Medicare and Medicaid, but before I do, I just maybe get an update. Lots going on on the front with regard to vaccines, vaccine mandates, and so forth. I just want to get your thoughts. So, uh, we're... Still a bit of pandemic, or I should say the COVID-19 pandemic is turning into an endemic where, uh, where it's going to just be with us. And the mutating and the making people sick, we're probably all going to get it. Uh, the best we can hope for now is to reduce the harm that this disease causes in the most effective way remains uh, for people to vaccinate. Uh, that uh, re- reduces... Uh, dramatically the risk of hospitalization, even the risk of severe infection, 
and or symptomatic infection uh, at the lowest possible risk. Um, and uh, the FDA has now approved uh, the uh, using the Pfizer vaccine to give booster shots to people who have already received two doses of the Pfizer vaccine. An FDA advisory panel has made a similar recommendation with regard to the Moderna shots, uh, the Moderna vaccine, uh, approving, uh, suggesting that the FDA approve a booster. Uh, it's sort of funny that we have to go through this because now that they're on the market, you could just probably go to your local drugstore, whoever's providing these vaccines, and get another uh, booster if you need. Uh, but I sort of wish the focus would be more on getting people their first dose because that is. Uh, the, uh, I should say the first two doses, of the, uh, because that gives people the uh, a much you get much more bang for the buck there than you do with uh, with a booster shot. When people have already uh, received the first round of vaccination. And so, yeah, Michael, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we could have a more have a greater that. focus on uh, getting people vaccines when the president of the United States has basically come out and said he's mandating it. You're going to lose your job if you don't get it for people who are employed by employers that have more than 100 employees or federal employees, so forth. So, uh, to me, it's um, uh, to your point about it, making our own choices about health care. He is choosing the wrong way to go about this. If anything, people are digging in their heels. Those that have been undecided or hesitant now, I think, are becoming vehement about their resistance to uh, to the uh, uh, vaccine. There is some of that, and uh, I think it's unportunate that the president has decided that uh, the entire country works for him and that he can uh, regulate every uh, medium or large-sized business in the country in this way. And uh, one of the reasons that's not a good idea is because it is going to uh, turn a lot of people off of vaccination. Yeah, uh, they're gonna they're gonna conclude that, that if he has to mandate it, it must not work, or or he must think he cannot persuade me. Maybe he thinks he doesn't have a very good case, and so that's going to turn a lot of people off. Well, and, and, and just take uh, a look. Just take a look at what's happening in Chicago. The police uh, uh, union that basically the head there said, "Don't get that. Don't uh, do it." Don't give your information. We're going to resist this. Uh, you, the uh, air traffic controllers, there should go down a long list of employers are basically saying we're not supportive of this. Look at what's happening at Southwest Airlines. This could bring the, the entire economy to a standstill if people continue this uh, protest against the vaccines. That would be ironic that... Uh we started this pandemic with the virus bringing the economy to a standstill and then ended with the uh, vaccine bringing the economy to a standstill. I actually don't think it's going to come to that. Uh, I hope that uh, the resistance to the mandate, which is different from the resistance to the vaccine, right. uh, persuades uh, the Biden administration that they're going about this the wrong way or uh, if failing that, uh, a court decides to to block what the Biden administration is trying to do because uh, the tools the Biden administration is using right now are tools that the courts have uh, blocked on many occasions because they, they're not on very um, firm legal ground. That's right. Well, of course, uh, our own governor here in Florida said he's going to file a suit against it. Of course, once the rules come out, which they haven't even come out from OSHA yet, so... 
can't follow suit until you actually know what the, <laughs> what the rules are. So, Michael, uh, look, with the little time we have left, I do want to get, I, I had an opportunity to visit with Dr. Kathleen Brown, who's a dermatologist, who wrote a column about the, uh, what was included in the uh, Human Infrastructure Bill, and it's, uh, it's uh, more Obamacare stuff, which is unbelievable. I didn't even know that that was in there. But uh, they want to expand Medicare and Medicaid in the bill, apparently. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think it's a dangerous move uh, because the worst part of the uh, Medicaid program and the Medicare program is the impact they've had on the quality of care for enrollees and even people who do not enroll in the program. And if you... If, expand those programs. I, they're expanding Medicare to include dental and vision or expanding Medicaid to provide Medicaid coverage in the states that have decided not to expand, implement Obamacare's Medicaid expansion. You are going to have an even greater negative impact on the quality of care and you're going to have it in those areas. What we need to be doing with the Medicare program is just turning it into a program like Social Security where the government gives enrollees cash and trust them to spend it. They will spend it better than the federal government does. We will get better, higher quality, and more affordable care with the sort of discipline that only consumers can provide. With regard to Medicaid, it's a little different. I think we should be ending the federal government's role in the Medicaid program. That right there would help to reduce the need for the Medicaid program because it would also reduce the cost of care, make it possible for more uh, low-income families to provide medical care for themselves. Uh, and we'd also get more experimentation at the state level about how to help the people who still cannot provide for themselves. Uh, but, but the way that Congress is going here is incredibly reckless, uh, not least because they're hastening the day, the, the, they're bringing us closer to the day where we're going to hit a debt crisis where the government can't pay all of its bills. And when that happens, you know who they're going to cut? Uh, you, you know where they're going to make cuts, Bob? Yeah, they're going to make cuts in healthcare for the poor. Absolutely. So they're really putting the poor in a very precarious situation. Yeah, Mike, I like your solution. I think that's a great idea, and you can imagine healthy people would go out and get health savings accounts and get the catastrophic care. I mean, the people were making their own choices. They could base, make their choices not on a single payer type of system, but on their own personal needs and the situation of their family. That makes a lot of sense, Michael. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Again, Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob, but there's never enough time. No, I know. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, Paul Behrens. Paul is the executive director of the Naples, Marco Island, Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. 
I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. It's now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Uh, you heard about bringing a uh, new performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bego, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us Paul Beerns. Paul is the Executive Director of the Naples, Marco Island, Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Morning, Bob. Happy to be here. Thank oh, you. Thank you so much, Paul. And uh, you're new in the role, uh, so we'd love to have you just tell us a little bit about your background and what you've been doing before this uh, new role, which is kind of exciting. Absolutely. No, I'll tell you what, uh, it's, it's amazing how time flies when you're only 21 years of age and uh, the math doesn't add up. But uh, uh, I actually have been my entire career in the uh, destination marketing uh, industry. Uh, I always say that uh, I came down to Florida on, well, I'll use the word encouragement. Others might say a dare from a friend of mine to uh, apply for a role down at Disney. And uh, it turned into a about a 12-year uh, marketing career with Disney. Uh, from there, went over and the next 16 years was uh, heading up our global marketing for uh, Visit Orlando. And then uh, the last three years was uh, with Hilton Corporate, uh, managing uh, the destination marketing efforts for all of our 18 brands from Atlanta all the way to Key West. So certainly destination marketing has been in my blood and boy, what a, what a great uh, destination to segue. Uh, I came down here uh, almost, man, it's almost been a year to the day and um, took on the role as deputy director and uh, Jack Wirt had uh, been uh, considering his succession plan for some time, and uh, we had kind of known of each other through the industry, and it was kind of a, a natural uh, dating process, if you will, and uh, lo and behold, before I knew it, I was uh, a resident of Collier County celebrating this incredible destination. Yeah, it's just fabulous, Paul. Well, we're excited about the work that you're going to be doing, because tourism is so important to us here in the Paradise Coast, and uh, just, to, just the litmus test is, have things picked up, or how are we doing? 
You know what? It's uh, I, I, and I can say this in in Collier County uh, when we are having discussions with other destinations, we sometimes have to excuse me um, <clears throat> put on our poker face uh, because we have really done exceptionally well. Uh, when others say, you know, "How are things going?" We're, our response is, "Yeah, we're we're doing okay. We could be better." The reality is, we are setting all time standards or records we've never seen numbers like this uh part of the reason for it uh, certainly uh the last 19 months which is somewhat hard to fathom that much time has gone on since uh march of 2020 almost immediately our brand uh and and the assets that we have here which is i refer to it as wide open spaces 30 miles of white sand beach immediately that resonated with people that's what they were looking for uh, i don't think that's going to go away anytime soon and uh, you know as as early as uh, as possible we started seeing some incredible rebounding we right now uh, and we're comparing ourselves against 2019, which was an all-time record year. Mm -hmm. And as of August, and we're just waiting for the September numbers to come in. Um, as of August, we were up 1.9% over that record year. So wow. um, considering where we've been, what we've gone through, that is just remarkable. Um, and there's just some incredible forward-looking um, indicators of what we can expect coming up. Yeah, that's just very exciting news, Paul. Well, congratulations. That's uh, it's a great foundation upon which to uh, build going forward. So uh, what do, you, do you have any special plans going forward with regard to tourism from other countries or other parts of the United States? You know, that's a great question. And, and the, um, the, the topic du jour over the last uh, day, weeks, uh, months uh, has certainly been when do the borders reopen? Um, you know, certainly when you consider that uh, 20% of our visitation comes from international. That's a that's a sizable chunk of the pie, and that basically overnight became zero. Um, so for the last 19 months, we talked about hitting those record numbers. That's completely absent of the international market, and frankly, for the most part, a good. I mean, almost all of the group market has really been uh, tough to come back. Um, we got some great. Uh, information just uh, last month when the administration uh, announced that in November the borders would reopen. Um, we were at a conference, an international travel conference at the moment that they, they announced it, and it was almost like you could just feel this, you know, nice cool air flow through the, uh, uh, the conference hall because everybody's really been waiting with bated breath. The, the exciting part, and the reason I share that is that day, those um, international tour operators were reporting that immediately, depending on the tour operator, they either had a 300% increase or one person said they had a 1,700% increase in immediate calls to their call center for booking. So when you talk about pent-up demand, there's definitely pent-up demand. We know it's going to start surging. Um, it, there's, it will surge, but it will take a little bit of time to roll out. The international is really where we're going to see a big play um, for starting November. We're going to probably see that peak start coming in, in in January, February, March. And then the question is, probably go for some time based on the pent-up demand. 
Yeah. So yeah, our our focus is is going to be getting the getting the wheels under the uh, the bus of international. Um, we're also going to start marketing to Canada. We have really not done that, and uh, it's just such a great opportunity. Uh, it's not only a fly, but it's a drive market uh, just as easy. So um, you know, when you when you consider that uh, that bubble starting on top of already record numbers, uh, it's pretty exciting uh, months ahead. It is. Uh, when do you see the uh, group meeting coming back? I mean, I uh, know conventions and so forth they have to be down because of COVID, but... Uh, uh, yeah, a- you know, <laughs> I think everybody in the industry has the uh, Magic 8 ball, and uh, we keep putting new batteries in it because, uh, in, in you know, all joking aside, in the summer, we actually saw some real uh, promising green shoots, uh, people starting to book and in, in associations and meetings. And there was a lot of optimism that came off of the, uh, that spring uh, you know, vaccination high where everybody started traveling. And then the Delta variant kicked in and it kind of mm-hmm. scared everybody. Uh, and, and honestly, the reason I, I word it that way, it's there's a lot of emotion that's, it, that's going on. You know, not <laughs> none of us have been through uh, a pandemic before. Yeah. Right. So uh, everybody's trying to figure out what tomorrow brings. So what we saw was all of a sudden this tap of the brakes, uh, things that were already tentatively on the books were being yeah. you know, delayed into January, then delayed into February. Some were canceling. Nobody really knows how to navigate. Uh, the business world was so shaken up in 2020 that I think everybody's a little skittish to yeah. uh, fall on the sword for um, you know putting people on the road and, and traveling. They, they are, it is coming back. Um, but again, it's that green light, red light, green light, red light that uh, is driving us all nuts. Uh, but the, the, the good part in, in the long run or even in the short run specifically is that the leisure visitors remain steadfast. Yep. Um, so it gives us a little bit of that pause that we can, we can probably ride it out with, you know, nominal groups, but, uh, it's really important to the, any destination. Thank you, Paul. And also, uh, before I let you go, uh, I had uh, Rick LaCastro, he's the Cuyahoga County Commissioner in District 1. Uh, he did comment on the sports complex that we have, which is really fantastic, but said it needs some work and supervision, need to get more business coming in there. Any thoughts? Yeah, you know, talk about a, a great facility, and if uh, if the residents of Collier County and, and area have not been out there, you just have to uh, check it out. It, it, it is spectacular. It is world-class um, we, I will say that the county got a, a slow start to, uh, uh, you know, a window that you really enjoy that new car smell of a, of a, of a facility that spectacular. Um, nonetheless, uh, they, uh, reissued, uh, an RFP, uh, for, um, for management company. They are going through the process of finalizing it. I really am anxious and, uh, very optimistic about where we, where we can take that, um, it, it, it just has such incredible promise. And just another example that when you think of uh, Collier County, um, some people think of us as, as quite a, a sleepy town. And we all know that is certainly not the case. There's yeah. some incredible dynamics here. And the sports complex and all the other sports amenities around the county are great testament. So I think that's just going to be one more feather in the cap of uh, a great destination already. No question. Paul Bierens, again, Executive Director of the Naples, Mark Island Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau. Really appreciate your commentary here on the show, Paul. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, Dave Vigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for 
or of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work, and that's just one of the initiatives. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have this Dave Beagle, as I mentioned before the uh, break. He's the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. It's a terrific read. It's uh, about the travails of dealing with the dirty tricks of union bosses over the course of two and a half years. They tried to get Dave to sign a neutrality agreement, intimidated him, and used pressure of all sorts and dirty tricks. Dave refused. He said, look, if you want to uh, uh, unionize uh, executive management services, which, by the way, does businesses over 30 states and over 6,000 employees, you're going to have to do it by secret ballot. Well, they refused. And Dave wrote a book about it. So interesting. It's called The Devil at Our Doorstep. Dave, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Hope you're doing well. Always doing well. Thank you so much, Dave. So, uh, what's going on on the union front? Well, can I can I make a chuckle comment first? Of course. <laughs> Since you're a golfer, that uh, I uh, I got this uh, thing from my he, he was my high school uh, basketball coach in uh, back in 1971 when I was a city scoring champion in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he sent me this email this week. It says, 10 best caddy remarks. There's just a couple I want to share with you. The first one, it shows the golfer saying, think, think I'm going to drown myself in the lake? And caddy says, think you can keep your head down that long? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you like that? I do. I tell you, my dad uh, used to play golf, and he wasn't very good, God bless him. 
but uh, he was playing it as a visitor at a course, and he asked the caddy, which one, which club should I use? And he said, hopefully not this one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, there's some great. Yeah, yeah. There was another one. The golf says, you think I can get there with a five iron? The caddy says, eventually. Yeah. And then there's another one I'm going to tell you, and then I'll get off of it. Uh, the golf, golfer says, I'd move heaven and earth to break 100 on this course. Uh, the caddy says, try heaven. You've already moved most of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good so uh right now uh of course we've got all these transportation problems we've got the uh you know, the the problems with ships just sitting out in uh, the pacific ocean waiting to be on un- on un- uh, docked and uh, unloaded uh the longshore union has decided hey they're going to uh, go ahead and do 24 7 operation in the in the long beach as well as uh, los angeles ports uh i bet you unions are just chopping their licking their lips on this one but uh, pete Buttigieg, did you hear about this he he's been nowhere to be found and this is a transportation crisis if there ever was one and apparently he's just adopted he and his uh his husband have just adopted two little kids and he's been on maternity leave since august did you know that yeah, I think I did hear that. That's crazy stuff, you know. He's yeah, just, I mean, uh, here we are in the middle of a crisis. He's and, way out of bounds. Yeah, you know? he's in the middle of a crisis, and uh, you would think that he'd kind of get back in the game and figure out what he could do to help uh, solve the problem, but uh, he's got his own problems and own issues, I guess. But anyhow, so I'm interrupting you. That's okay. I thought yeah, it was fun to start off with a couple different things. but uh, Absolutely. Back to the union um, the union bailout update, um, which the Democratic Party is, uh, they're totally behind the unions and everything they're doing. Um, they have things in them to, um, um, you know, get money to the unions and grow the unions because they want the unions to take over this country. And um, the Democrats say, you know, their $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill includes multiple measures benefiting the unions. Mm-hmm. A lot of that $3.5 trillion is going to go to the unions, especially the SEIU, the union that I talk about in my book. Right. Yeah, I mean, they, they want to uh, unionize all home care health workers. You know, yep. And if you can imagine this, if let's say you're taking care of your mom or in your house, that kind of thing in, in her last days. They, they were going to require you to pay union dues, as I understand it, uh, because uh, you're getting money from Medicaid. She's The mother's receiving money from Medicaid, so therefore it's government money and uh, you should, you'll be treated as an employee and have to pay union dues. Can you believe that? Oh, yeah. I, I'm not surprised about it at all. And uh, this is what they do. You know, they, it's, it's pushing across and it's about getting control and then a few other things real quick. Parts of the PRO Act may, became, may become law under the reconciliation bill. The PRO Act is the bill that they uh, in there that um, would institute um, a card check and get away from the secret ballot election for people to decide if they want to be in unions or not. So again, that's another way of controlling uh, companies mm-hmm. in the country and, of course, employees in that. And um, it's, card it's check, just to, the, just to clarify, Dave, the card check is, a, is what they wanted you to do uh, at Executive Management Services is just to be able to, card check would be to just go by and visit with each employee, whether it's at their home, no matter where, and, and, uh, and coerce them, intimidate them into signing up for the union. That's right. That's exactly. And they get 50% plus one, they're automatically union, and they force uh, businesses to 
give a list of all their employees and where their home addresses so they can go to the homes and uh, intimidate them into doing it. And this is what's going on right now. And then, you know, the other thing they're trying to add more people, you know, um, they're saying now that uh, college athletes are, uh, are employees and that uh, they should um, be able to join the unions. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of uh, union bosses speaking up, but I would expect and hope that all union bosses would speak up regarding uh, this uh, employee mandate for vaccines. Uh, you know, I'm not saying for or against vaccines. That's not the point. But to have the government mandate it is just totally out of bounds. And you would expect at least this is a great opportunity for union bosses to demonstrate their value. But I'm not hearing anything. Yeah. Well, you know, the Teamsters employees say that the union creates hostile work environment against unvaccinated staffers and a lot of these uh, employees uh, are, are tired of the uh, teamsters union and um, you know it's uh, it's 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 again and this is what people understand they don't care about the employees their memberships in the union members of the union they just want to control them and, uh, and try and find ways for them for themselves to make uh, some more money yeah, no question about it. Again, The Devil at Our Doorstep is the name of the book. And again, Dave, it's, just, it's a great read. You can't make this stuff up. I would just hope that our listeners would go and, uh, to Barnes & Noble, to Amazon, wherever, get a copy of the book. You can get a copy of the book, by the way, on my website at a nice discount. And uh, you can also go to thedevilatourdoorstep.com is Dave's website as well. Dave, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, and have a great weekend. Okay? You as well. Thank you so much, Dave. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we've got great guests for Monday's show. Uh, Mark Schulman is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. And for the last, I'm guessing, 15 years, Mark and, I, Mark and I, on Monday mornings, visit about current global events. He's always up to the minute with what's going on around the globe. We'll also visit with Larry Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Peter Wood, we were going to have him on the show the other day, but apparently his phone didn't ring. I look forward to this discussion. Uh, he is the author of the 1620 Critical Response to the 1619 Project. He's also the author of a new book just released it's, uh, called Wrath, uh, The American Enraged. It's a pretty interesting read. I've started to read it myself, and I hope to finish it by Monday when he's on the show. I always appreciate your comments on, uh, on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>